Hey, Billy, I'm wondering, have you been looking for a way to get better as a coach? Uh, always. That's good because you could do it by using GMS Plus. It's a great resource for courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. Many of the game's winningest coaches and players, including Heather Olmstead, Keegan Cook, John Spira, Mike Wall, and Courtney Thompson, have used it or are a part of it. They're also actually have been former guests, so you know they're good. Personally, I've learned a lot from Gold Medal Squared, as have many of our guests. So if you're looking to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will help you get there. Get 20% off an annual subscription today. Go to goldmedalsquared.com backslash CYBO and enter CYBO. That's goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO and enter coupon code CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. I'm excited to welcome to the show Professor Wolfgang Schulhorn. He's the founder of the training method known as differential learning. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Schulhorn. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. So we were talking a little bit off air about your your kind of reason for for diving into trying to understand a new way of learning, which was differential learning. Um, I thought maybe that'd be a fun way to start because it was so good. I want, I want to hear it uh, here on the show. And I know another thing I'd heard is you played a variety of sports growing up. And I was curious if that was another kind of influence on you exploring this differential learning approach. Well, for sure. Uh, this is what I tell all the time my students. You need to know the person uh, in order to understand the theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, because very often it reflects uh, the thing. Um, yes, I would say my experience um, as an athlete by myself uh, influenced this theory quite a, a bit. So I started as a gymnast, then I became too tall. Uh, then I switched to handball. In handball, I became already a member of the state team. But in handball, Olympic handball, I injured my knees. Um, so I had two or three years for recovery. Then I met some track and field athletes and they asked me, hey, you are a handball, former handball player. We need someone who is doing javelin throwing. Uh, when you can do javelin throwing, you can do discus. And when you do discus, you can do shot put. So it was almost a decathlon. So I did uh, five or six years decathlon. I became again member of the state team in, an, in another state. Uh, and then I was just curious. I wanted to get some experience in bobsleigh uh, I asked the guy whether I can do some uh, guest uh, runs. He said, no, we, we need you. And uh, within a very short time, I was German champion and vice European champion there. Uh, and there I already saw that no matter in which state team you were, or I was, uh, they had a big discrepancy between the theory and what they do in practice. Mm-hmm. Very often they rename the theory, but the practice looked very different. And at this time, at, at the end, I, I studied already uh, sports science, by science uh, physics mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and pedagogy. And what I saw there is all the time, I traveled all over Europe and observed coaches and athletes, how they react with each other. Mm-hmm. And I was the athlete by myself. And I, I felt how I can, how I reacting on the instructions of the coach Mm -hmm. and what i saw in the very successful coaches that 
they never repeat an instruction twice. It's always a question of the coach that he's responsible for finding the correct instruction. And it's very, I would say, interactive. Mm -hmm. So it was very rarely only in the East, Eastern Europe, because this was the, the cold, cold war season. Mm -hmm. uh, only in Eastern Europe, it was very autocratic, but in the Western area, it was more, I would say, an interaction of both athlete and uh, the coach. So it was never uh, autocracy. So this interaction was a very important part for me. Yeah, I could, I could see how that would have a big effect, the different sports. And I guess was, it sounds like you never made your way to volleyball, but you played a bunch of different sports. We, we never got you there. Um, but, but today we, we get to uh, talk some volleyball with you. Um, but you were mentioning also this idea with differential learning, how the relationship with the coach, maybe the safety side needs to be intact to allow for a coach to to use differential learning, to push them to try different different approaches. Could you could you go into that a little bit more? Well, I played I played uh, volleyball uh, in my education as All right. a nice. teacher. Uh, but yes, for me, it was not enough to run. Uh, I needed to move and uh, show the more variability and, and yeah. okay. I yes, I would say it never made a difference in which kind of sports I was uh, or which I observed. I also observed a, couple, a lot of uh, first division volleyball teams here in, in, in Germany mm -hmm. and also observed the interaction between the coaches and uh, the team. And yes, there were still some coaches who did it in a very autocratic way. But uh, I would say it was never that successful for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And is what I would say what you see very often in football as well, when it's too autocratic mm -hmm. and you see either the system collapses or the players try to switch the team. Um, and this was already for me a reason yeah, uh, that actually in the Western Hemisphere, it was more a democratic thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was always a problem also of communication. Mm -hmm. That uh, yeah, I would say eighty percent of our communication serves to I would say to solve misunderstandings, mm -hmm. also in in, in couples. Mm -hmm. And this is what I learned very often in, in in the beginning in my education. When one instruction doesn't has the effect, then it's not the problem of the athlete. Then it's the problem of the instruction because you didn't find the correct language. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make sense to repeat and to get louder and to shout on the athlete. <laughs> it's mainly causing only stress. Mm -hmm. uh, and stress, this is what I knew, is activating the frontal lobe. Meanwhile, we have a clear evidence for this. And when the frontal lobe is activated, then actually you can forget everything. Stops learning. And learn, learning is blocked. Uh, there is no more communication. And yes, this is what you see when politicians are getting angry. Uh, you cannot take this for, for normal. Mm -hmm. So actually, I would say the differential learning started with differential instructions. Mm. And this actually was also, I would say, just by coincidence, that when I gave an instruction to the knee, and they tried to do this movement, for example, in sprint running, 
I already neglected the knee and was looking for another reason. And this is what I meanwhile know from, from different areas uh, in, in, in medical area as well. I, I did this uh, traditional Chinese medicine uh, education as well, that the right elbow is connected with the left knee. The right hand is with the left uh, uh, ankle joint. So we have all these combinations. Right. And knowing about these combinations and reflexes are also new. When there is a reflex still in the athlete, it doesn't make sense to give an instruction to the right wrist because the problem could be on the right, uh, on the left uh, joint ankle, mm -hmm. on, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, ankle, mm -hmm. ankle joint. So we first have to get rid of these reflexes and combinations in order to get effect out of the instructions. Right. And because we are born, I think, uh, uh, costly around with 50 reflexes, and most of the people have still 10 to 15 reflexes, even high-performance athletes, it costs a lot of energy, and actually it hinders the final, uh, I would say, progress for, for high perf highest performance. Right. That's, that's really interesting. Just this idea of the whole, whole person, not only it sounds like psychologically, but their whole body considering versus just, yeah, there's this one specific movement solution I've got. Yes. And this is what, what I knew from physics and in mm -hmm. physics, I immediately was confronted with, I would say much more complex uh, equations. So normally in, in, in school, we are taught uh, y equals m times x plus b, the normal equation for, for a linear uh, relationship. But mm -hmm. in, in physics, you immediately start with vectors, with matrices, where you have a lot of influences and a lot of output. And this is uh, a classical definition. You can see this in the Santa Fe Institute for Complex Systems. Meanwhile, for complex systems, okay, complex systems are not predictable. And a very important part is that they are very sensitive to the initial conditions. So a change in the, I would say, seventh place after the, the uh, comma could have an enormous influence. Mm. And simply put, we knew from the beginning as a coach, the system is always as strong as the weakest point in the body. So we need to find the weakest point. Mm. And this meant to me already in the beginning, yeah, we have to find new exercises Meanwhile, it's called challenges. Always have new challenges. By, by the way, it's just a renaming of what has been uh, called, uh, I would say, subjective information mm -hmm. in difference to objective information. Mm -hmm. Objective information is this is what is coming from outside. Subjective information is, for example, when, when I'm telling you, okay, you are uh, doing an offense from number four, you know immediately what's going on. But if I tell this to a handball player, he doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's subjective information means it's only information which is new for you. Uh, so I need to know your knowledge. I need to know your thinking in order to give you a corresponding challenge. Mm -hmm. And this has been already known, I would say, in pedagogical cybernetics in the 1960s. Yeah. And this is what I all knew from my education. And this was all the basis for the differential learning thing. Wow. That's oh, great to hear all the background. Yeah. I mean, I think most of the coaches that I've learned from don't have a physics background, which is why you, you're able to offer such a important perspective and, and obviously create this idea of differential learning. And it's so exciting to learn about and 
such a new worldview when it comes to learning and, and learning skill. And I know you said you didn't get super into volleyball, but you did do a study on volleyball recently and wanted to get into that. And I'm excited uh, that you did it. And was uh, I've had followed along a lot of your studies along the way using different sports and was really excited when you you did do a volleyball one. Uh, and in, in the study, you you can you compared the more traditional approach and it was uh, serving and passing is what you mainly looked at. So they were doing the the traditional approach was more repetitive with some random reps here and there. You also had a differential learning group and then you had a control well, group. Well, is that, did, is that correct? We, we did several we, we did several studies in, in volleyball. Those most recent ones are, I would say, are more popular because uh, they have been discussed in, in certain uh, in, uh, podcasts. Uh, what we did there is that we actually compared three groups. Uh, one actually control group. This is just for scientific reasons. You, you have to check this. Maybe they improve by doing nothing as well. So instead of doing nothing, we gave them some ball games. Uh, by the way, this is also a very general exercise in, for getting accustomed to balls in, in general. Mm -hmm. uh, the second group was the group who trained in a contextual interference manner, uh, which meant that you have three exactly described exercises. In our case, it was the uh, underhand pass, the overhead pass, and the overhead mm -hmm. serve. Mm -hmm. And in the third group, we had a differential group where they did, I would say, all variations in the underhand pass, all different variations in the uh, overhead pass, and all variations in, in a serve. We, we didn't switch in between. We just increased, we call this the noise, which is a physical term for increasing the variability of fluctuations mm -hmm. uh, in these. And then we compare this. Uh, in a classical uh, scientific design, it's called a pre-post test re retention test, where you start with a test before the intervention. Uh, according to the performance, you uh, distribute all the, the uh, athletes in three uh, equally performing groups. Uh, then they go for four weeks with these uh, interventions. Then you do again the same test in the post test. Then you wait for about two weeks. Um, which is actually the uh, learning part. The first mm -hmm. part is only acquisition. Mm -hmm. And after two weeks, you, you do again uh, these tests, and this is called a retention test. Right. And so for the, the contextual interference or like the kind of repetitive group, they would, but they would still pass like 15 in a row. So if it was underhand pass, they would pass 15 in a row, and then they would go to overhand pass 15 in a row. Um, wait, I think now we are talking about two different studies. Okay. In one study, we did this in a repetitive way. This was the previous study. In the last study, we did this with contextual interference. Okay. In the previous study, we said, okay, every single technique has to be learned or acquired uh, by uh, these repetitive things. So we uh -huh. described them, the movement, uh, exactly how it should look like, a role model, and they got uh, corresponding corrections. Got it, okay. Yeah, I think the one I looked at was with the, I think it was the more repetitive learning group where they got. So this was the first study okay. with the title, Repetition Without Repetition. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah that's okay. what I looked at. Because the second study was about Contextual uh, interference. learning multiple movements in parallel. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So for the repetitive learning group, they would do 15 in a row and then they would get corrective feedback, right? You had 
um, someone giving them a kind of more a, a model of, or telling them the correct way to pass, correct way. Yes, whether they were too close to the ball, uh, the, the arms were too low or the head was in the wrong position or they didn't bend the knees enough. Uh, so they get got this um, corrective feedback uh -huh. uh, immediately after every every movement. And I've heard people say, well, that's not how an actual coach would would do it when they look at these studies. You know, if it was a, if it was a really good coach, they would have done it a different way. What, what do you say when people say that? Uh, well, uh, what is a, a good coach? Um, I would say they are very different. Uh, and this study was done by a doctor student of mine in, in Ghana, in Africa. And there, uh, it's, it's a classical approach, even in school. And to be honest, sometimes I see this here in, in school as well. Uh, and when I was in, in Senegal or in, in, in Vienna last week, uh, I, I still see this kind of, of training. Uh, okay. Uh, meanwhile, it's, it's changing increasingly, mm -hmm. but you still can see this. And this is, by the way, uh, I would say also a problem in science, that in science you have to, I would say, construct clear differences, mm -hmm. because when you start to mix this up, then you cannot say, okay, this is the cause of this, this is a, a, I would say, a general problem in, in science that science still is stucking into, I would say, this old reductionistic thinking that we only can vary one variable mm -hmm. in order to say, be able to say exactly this variable is responsible for this. This is a general problem in science, and this is what I, I'm complaining all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wrote a, a big review about this and uh, where I suggested some alternatives for, for this already. But yeah, to be honest, since 30 years, I'm uh, favoring actually single case studies, but we have a, an enormous problem to, to get support or to get them published. Now, mm. slowly it's changing, but yeah, my PhD was already a single case study. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, cool. It'll be nice to see if that progresses. And even so, it seems like, I mean, I know when I read the, the, this paper, you had taken things from like the Federation International Volleyball Handbook, and it seemed like you followed some of the things that coaches would often say in a corrective way. So it doesn't sound like you were that far off in, in the things that you were saying to the, to the passers. Yes, I would say this is what you still see in the classical textbooks, Right, that you have a role model, you should copy this role model, mm -hmm. and then you give so-called knowledge of result feedback, mm -hmm. augmented feedback, Mm -hmm. So they go in a feedback loop and they can correct this. Right. And hopefully at the end, there will be no more difference to the role model. But right. this was already, I would say, this was one of the beginnings where I, I came from. I came from physics um, in, in pattern recognition field. And when I did my PhD in biomechanics, my doctor father asked me to find role models in the Catholic for 10 disciplines. So I traveled all over Europe and recorded all these top athletes. Uh, we consulted also uh, all our national uh, team members and Olympic uh, participants. And just one example was that at this time I had the three best world, three world best shot putters. They all won Olympic medals. They were world champions and whatever. And after analyzing them for five years, I had to, to admit uh, I didn't find a role model. 
But mm. what I could say is exactly this is this athlete and this is this athlete, and this was stable for over five years. Wow. So there we had already the first problem. Okay, now which role model I'm recommending right. to my athlete? Right. What became even worse is that when you report, uh, record them several times in shot put, you have to do six, uh, six trials. None of these six trials was the same. So, mm. okay, even if I would have decided for this athlete, which of these te technique variations should I take? And this is where I would say a, a big other branch started in our research, uh, which is still neglected in our theory. Because then we went over to, to an, analyze walking, because in walking you have much more repetitions. And in walking, you see exactly the same. Wow. And this is what we, we see meanwhile. In, in walking, when we have one ground contact, it's about 300 milliseconds. We can exactly say who the person is. We can say what kind of emotions they have. We can say what grade of fatigue. And we also can say what type of music they are listening to. Mm. And the dominant part is always the individual. Mm. Now, when, when I observe all these athletes, I think today it's exactly the same. They have this headphone, they run with different music, they have different emotions, they have mm -hmm. different nutrition, mm -hmm. they have different fatigue, mm -hmm. and we still rely on repetition. Right, right. So do you think that's the main reason corrective feedback doesn't work because there, there isn't you know, one way everyone's different? Is there more reasons why, like giving them a, you know, here's the way you should pass? Well, I think to a certain amount, this feedback uh, helps mm. to a certain amount. And you will, I would say, yes, former athletes got successful also with this feedback. But what I think is that it's slowing down the process. Mm. The first thing is uh, when you correct someone, it's a kind of criticizing the person. And criticizing means activating the frontal lobe. Mm. And the frontal lobe is slowing down the whole motor learning process. Mm. So this is from, from the neurological uh, area. But the other thing is, and this is, I would say, also related to this feedback, when an athlete is trying to repeat a movement, the athlete thinks he's doing the same because he cannot feel the different big difference. Right. Which means that he's actually dependent on the coach, that hopefully the coach will see some differences. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when I go back to another uh, metaphor, which I like very much, when in our life do we learn the most and the fastest? It's during the first two years. Now, children, during the first two years, they never listen to the parents. But they don't repeat. Mm -hmm. So this seems to be a secret of successful learning. They don't understand the instructions but they vary all the time. I never yeah. have seen a parent uh, explaining a child how to walk. <laughs> and the same is even when you're five years old, I never have seen someone explaining the child how to ride a bicycle. Right. When you look to textbooks, it would be like you have to contract the quadriceps with 84% uh, <laughs> contract towards an angle of 47 degrees. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. But the interesting part is when you learn bicycle riding, you cannot do bicycle riding for 20 years 
and you still can do it. Mm -hmm. So all the things which you learn by yourself with a lot of variation, you never forget. Most of the things which are taught by someone else by repetition, you have this memory uh, decay. And this is one, one of the reasons why the people need to train that much. Right. Yeah, that seems like one of the, the really important parts of differential learning, approaching it without judgment, with that childlike kind of exploration and wonder and curiosity. And it seems like as a coach, being able to get an athlete into that sort of mind space, into sort of that sort of frame, you know, and sort of that, that way of thinking then they will explore and search and, and try these unique ways. Yeah, and yeah, to be honest, actually, this was nothing new because when you look to, in Europe, it's called a reform pedagogy uh, from uh, Rousseau with Emile and this exploring thing. But meanwhile, I did research. This You can read even in Socrates literature. Hmm. So pedagogy was always exploring, uh, finding things. What we know or what is very often integrated in pedagogy is the so-called anthropology, which is the education of adults. The next uh, step would be the geragogy, which is the elderly. Now, anthropology is mainly derived from military. In military, they are doing the repetition. So actually, our classical teaching approach is coming from military. Yeah. But in military, it makes sense because then they are marching in the same step lengths. It's more of a script, yeah. To have these uh, turtle from from the Romans, this turtle uh, with all these shield uh, things. But when you look to military, in the first row, the tallest ones are doing short steps, and the last ones, the smaller one, mm -hmm. they are running in in big steps. Mm -hmm. And only the middle row is perfect. Uh, it is exactly what we have in school. When you teach the whole school in a military-like style, then only three or four students improve their performance and the rest just looks the same but they don't change the performance mm -hmm. it is one of the, the i would say big advantage of, of differential training as well in groups when you offer a group 60 different variants then the probability that everyone will find something in resonance with them is much higher than my, when i only offer them four right Right. So instead of kind of teaching to the average or teaching to you're giving everyone an opportunity to discover what's appropriate for them. Yes, and this is what, what I learned here in Germany as well, because in Germany, we had this problem, East Germany against West Germany, also in, or very much in sports science. So I heard this from, from uh, former East German athletes uh, or uh, scientists, that they looked at the 10 best discus thrower in the world. They took the average and looked for the acceleration path of the discus. They constructed a machine exactly for the average of the best 10. They started to train with this, with increased weight, specific training. Mm -hmm. And within four, I would say four sessions, they stopped this because they saw that all the discus throwers became worse. Mm. Because it's neglecting all the physics, it's neglecting all the individuality. So meanwhile, okay, it's a good exercise to play, but nothing to train. Right. So right. We, know this, we knew this already for a long time, that the orientation in averages is not very advantageous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's really, really fascinating. 
taking us back to the the study you did so in the the retention test when i looked at it in the one with the more repetitive training it seemed like the control group stayed the same and the repetitive learning group that got the corrective feedback they improved a little bit and then the differential learning group uh it was it was like they had a some some advantage during the training but then in the retention test there was a big it seemed like a big jump where they yes. had you know learned the most but then even so in certain skills they they improved more so when it was serving or when it was combined when you combine serving and passing it seemed like they had an even bigger jump why why do you think that was uh, this is yeah to be honest we still don't know what's going to happen in this retention phase Mm-hmm. But what we meanwhile know is that we have a lot of reorganization in the central nervous system. And you also need to have some, I would say, basic movement noise. Sometimes we had this retention phase over Christmas time when they did nothing. And then we didn't have this effect. And this is a, a classical thing which we, we know from uh, nonlinear dynamic systems uh, in, in physics which is exactly, which has been predicted already 2008, that this is going to happen. But unfor- yeah, or fortunately, I would say, uh, it happens. We, we, never had, we never had a, a, a decay. At least we had the same level, but we never had this decay, which is normal for, for repetitive learning. Uh-huh. And this is, I would say, still ongoing research. Why, why do we have this? Yeah. Yeah, but do you see any reason why there was more learning when it when it was the the skills combined? Like when they got like it seemed like when it was just passing the but wasn't there a part uh, where well, it's like no 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 no? Well, I think the the combined uh, result is just putting the results together. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, so I was thinking when, it was when, when you you're have, okay, got it. When you have two, I would say uh, smaller advantages, and you add them, then you have in got some it. you have more more advantage. Got it. Okay. I this see. was, um, I would say, yeah, still a, a scientific uh, thing that yeah. very often in other studies, they only look to this general thing. Right. And I Got said, it. no, it's not interesting. Uh, I want to know also the other combination. Right, right. And for me, it was also interesting uh, because in the, in the other study, we saw that when they train the overhead pass uh-huh. and the overhead surf, in combination with the underhand version, the upper area has more advantages because you have in the overhead situation much more variation. Uh-huh. And this is exactly corresponding to the way how artificial neural nets are working. So I would expect, and this is my prediction, when you train the underhand surf and underhand surf and underhand pass together, then you will have bigger effects in this area. I see. Okay, that makes sense. So, so can we go through some of the the I don't know what the right word is the exercises? I guess that you gave yes. to the differential learning group. Uh, my understanding is they the differential learning group, which learned the most and improved the most, didn't do any sort of traditional passing. They never actually passed like how you would you would traditionally see someone pass it. So, what were some of the exercises that you'd have them do? Well, they, they did this pass. This is what very often is, I would say, um, interpreted in a very mean way uh, that they say differential training is everything. No, it's yeah. not. 
uh, and this is by the way the reason why i call this differential training because originally it was okay being just versatile have a big hmm. basis now hmm. i'm coming from physics and in physics maybe you remember this that you have the mathematics uh, differential and calculus differential calculus which is about the small differences so for me it was the the pattern recognition thing what i saw there is okay even when they repeat they always change the knee angle or the, the angle joint or the hip angle and what whatever okay and this is what we did with these athletes that we we told them okay you do the serve in a parallel frontal position then you do the serve in a 90 degree uh, uh, situation then you do it in an opposite 90 degree situation then you do it with the left foot in front right foot in front mm -hmm. you do do it with the circling head which is very important for the vestibular organ to to, to get this independent and uh, to get rid of these neck reflexes um, do the serve throwing up with the right arm and serving with the right arm uh -huh. throwing up with the left arm and serving with the right arm doing the the serve with the extended elbow doing the surface the bent elbow doing it with a stiff uh, wrist angle and so on so actually i only did what i saw already in the biomechanical analysis mm -hmm. i increased the variations in all these joints and what we did there um, what is also very rarely understood is that we mainly changed the geometry so we only changed the angles Whereas in a more advanced state, we would tell them, okay, you have to change the velocity as well. Mm. Which means, okay, you start with a fast hip, slow shoulder, fast arm. In this way. This, could not, this cannot be done by a, by a beginner. Right. And the, the idea is, and this is also based on neurophysiology, that for actually for these physical parameters we have exact correspondence in our body so there are sensors responsible for the geometry for the angle we have sensors that are uh, sensitive to velocity we have sensors for acceleration and we also have sensors for the jerk or rhythm and we have this in every joint so actually you can start to vary in every joint these hmm. things uh -huh. so okay when, when we, we, we take the, the wrist, uh, wrist joint, you can start with different angles or with, with a fist, whatever. Uh -huh. And in the next level, you would say, okay, clap the hand slow, clap the hand fa fast. Okay. And the next level, more advanced level, you would say, okay, start slow. And at the end, you, you, you increase the, the thing. Mm -hmm. So actually, you can do this in all the joints and combine all these joints. And you will wow. be happy to find all the combinations in your life. Wow. So, so with those examples, and I think you might have covered this, but do, for something like you went through the tossing, so you toss with your right hand, toss with your left hand, an extended hand toss, maybe a bent hand toss. Would you stay within that framework for a little bit where you're just focusing on the toss or are you going like toss? Okay. Now a neck, you know, a neck spin well, or how do you do that? It's a very, very nice, important question, but okay, I, I do it like in my, in my lectures. If I would answer this, I would say I would uh, contradict my own theory. Mm, that's because, fair. 
Actually, you are asking I for want the answers at the moment. <laughs> yeah. You're asking for a recipe. Right, right. And and one one of the major, major, I would say, intentions of this approach was also, and this was one reason why I was very, I would say, scarce in the publication in the beginning, because I actually wanted to encourage the, the coaches to be creative again. Mm -hmm. They should do more experience and they shouldn't believe too much in science. Science is only focusing on a very small area. Okay, now in, in this case, what we see meanwhile, this is my experience, and uh, I would be happy to have your experience or to, to your uh, followers' uh, experience feedback. What we see meanwhile is that it's first thing, it's dependent on the individual. If an individual has an enormous need for control, we go up to three repetitions, but never more than three repetitions mm. because they need the control. They need to know what's, what's, what's next. After three repetitions, that's the power of adaptation. The adaptation is gone. Okay. Now, when we go to the more advanced state, which I did with the silver medalist uh, in, in, in Atlanta, in Decathlon, then we need to, I would say, go in a more random way because then the athlete is more surprised mm -hmm. and when you have a surprise in the task then the, an, a successful solution lead, needs no leads to i would say to more production of dopamine so dopamine needs surprises mm -hmm. but this is ongoing research what we, we we still don't know exactly Right. That's fascinating. What about, what are you doing in terms of their attention or are you even considering their attention? Uh, I guess it seems like it would be easy if I'm changing, you know, the sort of toss, I lose track of the goal, right? Trying to serve it to the location or trying to serve it accurately. Um, do you, are you very uh, aware of where their attention is? How important is, is that factor? Uh, these are, I, I would say, different approaches. One approach is trying to vary the, the target. And the other approach is more varying in the body, the proprioception, uh -huh. actually. I would say, yes, you can do both. The smaller variations, I would say, are related to the target. So when you just change the target, it's less variation for the body. Uh-huh which could be uh, done, but this is speculation. We would need uh, more experience uh, in this case as well. And I'm pretty sure this depends on the individual. Uh, for me, it's always about the, the brain needs different information to, I would say, to develop to a higher state. And this is what we know, meanwhile, from artificial neural nets, which are derived from the logic of, of neurons, that you need to train them in a big variety to get a stable solution afterwards. What is, I would say, the best known at the moment is in, in the internet uh, that Google is training their nets with different uh, photos, with a lot of different photos in order to be able to recognize, okay, on this photo is a dog. You don't offer them only the same dog. Mm -hmm. You offer a lot of variations. Mm -hmm. And actually, we are doing the same. We offer the system 
a lot of variation around the solution. It's still around the dock. It's still around volleyball surf. Mm -hmm. It's not swimming and, and bicycle riding and whatever, skydiving. No, it's around this because it's a small difference in differential training. Mm -hmm. And maybe it, it become clearer when, when I tell you about my experience with the world record hold in discus throwing. I sure. had him 2002. He said, it's a nice theory, but now I want to see the practical consequence. I thought, oh God, he did nothing else than 40 years of discus throwing. How can I teach him something? <laughs> okay, he started to throw with a medicine ball. It's a classical exercise for discus throwers. And I saw that during his throw, he bent his head a little bit too much to the right which I knew, okay, this is getting difficult for the vestibular organ, for the uh, orientation. Okay, I told him the next throw, please put the right ear on the right shoulder, increase the arrow. Okay, uh -huh. in this moment, he started to lift up the left knee, which is also a disaster for discus throwing. Uh -huh. So I told him, okay, the next movement, please put the right ear on the right shoulder, and lift up the left knee. Uh, and then immediately, I would say he broke in in the right knee. So actually the athlete led me through his problems. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, a general rule. I'm reading the athlete and the biggest deviation is telling me, okay, there is a problem because the athlete doesn't feel. So give him a, possible, a chance to get sensitive to this. Mm -hmm. And so would that be more for an advanced? And I guess is that maybe the more effective way? Because when I see the studies, it seems like, and you have to probably do it through science, you have to have your predetermined exercises. They're going to go through these, um, you know, these yes. movements where it sounds like with this, you're more observing and then deciding which differential learning exercise to do next. Yes, this is the problem again of science. We have to describe all the exercises in advance and then we choose a random generator, take the number and just give them the number and then they will see the instruction and they mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, and very often it's also integrated differential training is instructive. No, it's not because it's only in the beginning because what we see meanwhile, the longer the athletes are in our school and our training system, the less creative they become uh -huh. because they get dependent on instructions. When we do this with little children, I asked them, okay, show me 10 variants how you can throw this ball. The same with, with, uh, with, handball, uh, with volleyball. So hit the ball with, uh, with the inside of the hand, with the outside of the hand, with the, with the edges and whatever. You can hit the ball with the elbow. Show me 10 variants. And then it's not instructive, so they become creative as well. And the same with, with tactics. Okay, show me different variants. And then you can start with a game and this is a completely different, I would say, interaction. So show me one exercise and I'll show you a variant which I think of. And then you will find an, another variant of mine. And so, okay, you can, um, I would say, go into a, a very nice game in, in, in this way. Yeah, I've been trying it that way a little bit. I heard you mention that idea in another interview and I found a lot of success. And it seems like giving the athlete some autonomy some opportunity to be innovative and creative is really powerful.